Oh, in parts of the future, no video style. That's right. Yeah. I think our conversations will probably be better because we don't have a, free, a camera in our face. We'll see. I, I don't know, man. We'll We're see. getting pretty hyped we'll when there was video. We <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, it's that streaming directly to Facebook. Yeah, somehow a little less exciting that way, but hey, <laughs> who knows what will happen. Uh, do you know that, but before we start, do you know that Nice is not wearing glasses? I did not know that. Yeah, very similar to the ones you're wearing right now. Yeah, these are just uh, glare reduction. I actually don't need these uh, because I wear them because the camera light is usually really bright. Oh. So these Because I, I wear contacts most of the time, but I've been having these. My eyes have been watering. So anyway. Okay. There you go. Well, no worries. Yeah. No glare with, tea, with the lights. And <laughs> That's the right. <laughs> so uh, I think uh, you sent me this article from The Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be a subscriber to The Atlantic, but got rid of it because I wasn't reading it very often. This is National Review. Actually. Oh, it's National Review. Shadi Hamid. Okay, so I don't know why I thought it was The Atlantic. Oh, I think it says Atlantic.com on the article you sent me. Then I'm wrong. National, I'm sorry, okay. Atlantic. So you're wrong. It's out there somewhere. There you go. <laughs> I don't think you can have two different political persuasions that are different. The National Review was far more conservative. Yeah. The Atlantic, which is more liberal. So, but here we are. Uh, I've actually enjoyed this article a lot. I think it's very relevant. Yes. Um, um, number one, talking about religion in regards to how where Americans are religiously, but also how that has been transferred over to political beliefs yeah. and uh, intensity in that and in, in those political beliefs. So, um, all right. So let's, uh, uh, how, how much history, how much uh, research have you done on kind of the, the growth in secularism in the United States? Some, I mean, okay. uh, I would say it, it was, you can't be in youth ministry or college ministry right. like we have right. uh, without, um, Dealing with popular culture, views about, you know, it's an undercurrent always in uh, student ministry and college ministry dealing with um, apologetics and uh, kind of what's going on in the world. I think that uh, we are never able to sleep on these issues because there are always students who are saying, this is something that it's beyond an important issue. It is life for them. Right. They're either uh, dealing with it, you know, in, in a high school setting, hearing it from kids, uh, or by the time they're in college, you know, come to you saying, like, this is what my professor believes. Um, and so what really what I would say is that I've just, I've dealt with it more personally mm-hmm. than I have as an academic discipline, which makes it a certain kind of uh, important, I mean, as a discipleship issue, as a trying to sort through in, in the personal life of young people. And so uh, this is really important stuff. I, I found this article uh, of, of all the ones we've done for the last few months to be so important about seeing what's happening in the country now and where it's going to go. Um, had me thinking so many thoughts about um, I, I think the summary like the main idea that we're dealing with here is religious impulses mm-hmm. that, that what we think about good and evil and how to act on it uh, is huge in every single person's life whether you consider yourself religious or not and so religious impulses is uh, is something that probably we don't think about a whole lot especially sure. if you are a secular person but everybody has opinions about what is good and what's evil, and then therefore, okay, what do we do about that? And I thought one of the more interesting parts of it that I never really thought about, how unique America is mm-hmm. in regards to this issue, um, almost, I think, stands alone, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, in regards to the clash between um, a country that 
when started, was started with, you know, a very deep understanding of, uh, of human rights and how that has affected, how, it's, how the Bible affects human rights mm-hmm. um, and how that is this idea of freedom and liberty right. um, and how religion has played such a major part in the United States um, and how America has mostly has been pretty high when it comes to the amount of Americans who do uh, go to church, who right, are religious, right. and how sharp that decline has been over the last few years, right. uh, and how that that belief is still there, mm-hmm. um, the belief in something, and now it's just being transferred over to political intensity or um, and or political impulse. Right. And uh, I find that really interesting that other countries aren't don't have the same predicament. <laughs> Right. And, and and so I I lived in Sweden and it was interesting that Swedes don't typically aren't very religious um and because religion is even though there's a state religion uh there's a you know the Swedish Lutheran church and there's buildings and church buildings all over the place but people don't identify right. you know with those type of beliefs right um but yet um you know to to be Swedish isn't necessarily to be religious um, and the political impulse isn't all that strong because they're not taking these religious beliefs uh, and then transferring them over to political impulses. And, uh, and so I never really thought how unique America is in, on that, in that particular. And I can't even. I mean, uh, I, the most I've ever spent in my life, and when I was 20, I spent a month uh, in South Africa, but it was with a, a mission team. Yeah. And so it was a very still American experience because I, I you, you basically, I, I was with something like 30 people who were from all over the United States. And so while we were in South Africa, we stayed in a hostel. It was just right. us. And it was, right. and it's a very American thing to do, to go. It was a basketball related mission trip, which is hilarious and I'm terrible at basketball, but right. long story. And, um, so I did not uh, get to experience, uh, really at all being, being really genuinely influenced, um, this is a really hard and sort of abstract question, but since you lived in Sweden for a while, I would love to at least know, did you, ga- did you gather much about what uh, drives, uh, say, the Swedish people? Uh, what are the major sort of influences and impulses in their life? Why are they not so kind of severe as it seems Americans are? We're searchers. We want answers. We want right. them now. Right. But what is different about uh, any Swedish culture. Yeah, well, you know, what's interesting about this article, and they brought up the identity of the German people, and, mm-hmm. like, their pride is to not be proud of their country mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I think Swedes are proud of some things that may seem odd for Americans, but they, they, they're proud that they have universal health care. Right. They think it's a it's almost something that's very unique to them as Swedes, right? Okay. Um, that you can go to college for free. That, okay. is a, that is a strong... That they have no poor people that live on the streets. Okay. That's a strong, like... Yeah. Identity um, that their country is like it has one of the smallest militaries in the world, almost in a sense demilitarized. Um, you know, uh, they're not in any war conflicts; mm-hmm. haven't been for forever, right? Um, they um, they're very environmental. Um, they uh, so they have these, you know, Swedes. They see themselves as kind of, in some way, of a, of a, like politically elite in the sense that they they don't struggle with the same issues that America struggles with, uh, poverty, uh, health care, 
uh, education, yeah, all these different areas, crime. They, you know, like uh, they don't have any crime issues in Sweden. Um, and so like all of these type of things, these accomplishments, I guess, mm-hmm. politically, uh, is very much entwined to who they are as Swedes because what's famous about Sweden is they have a high tax rate, right? right. And they have a high sales tax. They have a high income yeah. tax. And that's something that if you talk to them about that, they think it's a proud thing that they're willing to pay higher taxes for the sake that there's no poverty. Right. You know, that there's no, um, they have universal health care, that the literacy rates almost 100%. Like all of these like very yeah. positive things. Um, you know, obviously, they're proud of Volvo. I mean, sure, that's a, that's a proud thing. But you know, even though there, there is a lot of companies that are started and come out of Sweden, but they're proud of those things that I mentioned. Uh, and to, in, in some ways, that is to be Swedish is to be very inclusive, yeah. be very, very open, to not be wealthy or to flaunt your wealth and that mm-hmm. type. To have a very stable country that doesn't have a lot of conflicts right. is very much, you know, the identity of Sweden. Yeah. And what they're they're proud about. They well, they'll say a lot about themselves. Yeah. So okay, that's really interesting because um, well, let me let me throw a quote out to the, summarize what you were saying a minute ago. Uh, his first quote is uh, quote the United States has. Had a long had long been a holdout among Western democracies, uniquely and perhaps even suspiciously devout. From 1937 to 1998, church membership remained relatively constant, hovering at about 70 percent. Then something happened over the past two decades. That number has dropped to less than 50 percent, the sharpest recorded decline in American history. And meanwhile, the nuns, atheists, agnostics, uh, N-O-N-E-S, by the way, atheists, mm-hmm. agnostics, and those claiming no religion, have grown rapidly and today represent a quarter of the population, end quote. That is so fascinating for me because, first of all, that 1998 number, I graduated high school in 1998, and mm-hmm. within a couple of years, I, I roughly started ministry around when I was 20, 21. Um, and so th- starting right as that turn began to happen, and so I've certainly consistently seen what what we you know summarize as secularization um and then it's interesting to hear about sweden where secularization has taken place oh yeah and 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 it is it is a positive story in the column of hey we trusted the government to it sounds like the summary of what i heard you saying is that we trusted the government to solve a lot of our problems and so far it's working for us right and uh so you have that uh meanwhile america um we are not, uh, let's, let's just say, if Swedens are known to be calm or a peaceful type of uh, people, Americans are not. Uh, we're a different kind of people in general. Yeah, I mean, we get into a lot of wars. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing. Uh, we are feisty, I think, is, a, is a, a term that probably fits us really well. Right. I was thinking ambitious when you're Very ambitious like, as that well. Would be, yeah. yeah, very much so. And, and Swedes, while having... Just as much has better education in the United States um, when it comes to like when it comes to literacy rate and that type of thing. But yeah, ambition is not their biggest biggest trait. Mm-hmm. Uh, Americans landed on the moon mostly because they were ambitious to do it. Right. Uh, Swedes would have thought it'd be a waste of money. Right. A lot of countries would have thought it as a waste <laughs> of know, money. It's still, yeah. It's yeah. not like that debate is over. Yeah. The, the history of NASA in this country is a great commentary on that debate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which we're are, you can ask people like us and say I think it's worth the. 
worth the ambition because a lot of great technology comes out of risk and things sure. like that. And so Swedes don't take a lot of risk, right? right? They would go, and it's funny, so, even when it comes to Swedish soccer, there was a joke when I was there that Swedes don't ever win, nor do they lose, they just tie. <laughs> and they always play for ties. Right. Uh, that was the Swedes' actual quote. Um, and uh, so they, yeah, they're, they're not ones that win a bunch of Olympic medals. Like, they're just not that... They just want to want to be a part of the game. They want to be there. They want to middle. Want to finish in the middle. Right. You know, they're not trying to strive to to win. They're not. They don't want to be the worst. They just want to fit right there in the mm-hmm. middle. Where Americans, we we don't even like soccer, but if we're gonna play <laughs> right. it, we better win it. And that's why there's like, hey, I coach didn't win the World Cup. We'll fire him and hire someone who can get us a, a, a win the whole thing. Because if we're gonna play, that's right. we want to win. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, as a kid. I, Soccer was not an interest, but I really I remember when all of a sudden this this sense seemed to, seemed to come upon America. Like, wait, a, a lot of people are playing soccer, right? And we even do. Oh, some of us do that, and we're not winning. Well, we better start winning. What are we doing? Right. Yeah. Maybe the growth of secularism go, go, uh, it goes along with the growth of soccer. Maybe that's the, <laughs> maybe that's the certainly possible. Maybe that's the trick there. But um, you know, for someone who and I wrote when I wrote my dissertation, I wrote it on I wrote on the kind of the worldview of college current college students. So yeah. I read a little bit about like the nuns, right, mm-hmm. and um, and how uh, there is actually uh, um, every year Harvard University does this study on the religion of their students. And every year that that atheists and agnostics continues to grow and grow and grow and mm-hmm. grow. That that actual number, if you take agnostics and atheists and you combine that two number, it's actually more than their Catholics um, or Protestants alone. So that's never happened before. So that like yeah. that that growth, um, even amongst Harvard students, which you're like, oh, I thought it big surprise as an Ivy League school, but uh, you're seeing even with a school like Harvard this kind of this tale of the entire country that. Um, more and more, especially youth in college, uh, are growing up in a post-Christian mm-hmm. family, right? right. Where, where the, the view was is that most Americans, if not all American youth, would have had heard the gospel at some point. Right. That's not true anymore because they're, they're not raised in it, you know? Right. So their parents are not taking their kids to church on Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. They're not, uh, they probably don't even have a children's Bible, you know, that they grew up reading um you know i know i had cousins that that grew up in a, in a non-christian home and you know they were were very unfamiliar with a lot of the books of the bible mm-hmm. i think that's going to become a, a common thing where as as college and youth pastors uh we're going to interact with more students who have like really no understanding whatsoever of the gospel because right. their parents didn't teach them right their parents didn't take them to church at all. Uh, we, I mean, we grew up in a world where even if even if if a youth or a peer of ours wasn't a Christian, they were at least familiar with some of the Christian stories. And more and more students are going to become more and more unfamiliar right. with basic Christianity completely. Right. Yeah, and that is uh, that has been the general uh, rule. Uh, it was very strange. Uh, I didn't myself. I had zero familiarity with any of the Bible growing up, but as as a rule, generally there was familiarity. It's it's strange because it, this is not uh, related to. Uh, it's not as if Christianity got disproven in the two thousand. This is not an academic right. discipline anymore. Right. It is a cultural right. movement. Very Just so. well. We probably should have new solutions to moral problems by now. And that is sort of the major turn uh, that he is surveying in this article. He says, well, while it might be tempting for you to think we don't have uh, 
religious belief anymore. What we have now is religious politics. Yes. Uh, and the problems associated with that, if, if that doesn't concern you, I think a summary of what we're about to tell you is it should, and it can, should concern you both from the left and the right. People who have no interest in basic questions beyond how they can politically maneuver and get to political activation, what that means is <laughs> you take politics and imagine superimposing religious wars over the top of it. Yeah. That is a concern. It is a concern because, I mean, by my estimation, both on the right and the left, you now have politicians who live this way. Yeah. What is at stake in daily politics is a war between good and evil. And if it's good and evil, then it's a war to the death. Yeah. I, I, I thought the phrase, uh, this was a, a journalist, calls America's God-shaped whole religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that's a really well-described understanding of what's going on with, with as, as Hamad says, you have the woke left and the Trump rights, mm-hmm. and they're filling this God-shaped hole with what they believe is original sin, what they believe is saints and prophets, mm-hmm. creeds, mm-hmm. Uh, dogma, um, uh, martyrs, messiahs, like, pro- like, they're throwing all of these, like, strong biblical terminology that are pretty big, right. um, and they're going to war with one another over what is American, what is un-American, right. what right. is right, what is wrong, yeah. uh, what is... Uh, worthy of judgment, what is not? I mean, like right. those are, and, and I think for 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 Christians especially, uh, we're in some ways we've fallen into one of these sides, yep. and we and in some ways we're allowing and, and almost pressing uh, the use of these terminologies without any type of well, you're just taking it right out of the Christian worldview and yep. using it for as a, as a sword or as a shield, and I think that is very uh, alarming. Right. Uh, because, I mean, if you have two groups who think they hold um, the moral high ground, mm-hmm. like, uh, that is, they're, especially if we're talking about this impulse, this fever, um, and, and people think, well, what's the, what's, what's some of the, the, what's the, what's the extent of this? I mean, there are, I'm not saying, like, I mean, people have done this in the past, but there's a reason that, you know, suicide bombers do what they do because they believe it so strongly that they're willing to die, sacrifice their life. If people, that's religious belief. Well, people take that type of fever and apply it to politics. That can be very damaging and really, um, it can be very harmful to a lot of people. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that leftists are going to start like, Strapping bombs to their chest, but if that same fever is there, we have no idea what people are willing to do for the sake of their beliefs. The um, to me, there there are elements of this that are dangerous at the level of say an elected official. They're dangerous at the ground level, and then everywhere in between. So, for instance, mm-hmm. part of what I think led to this is good old uh, American overstatement, overstating your case. If you want to sure. overstate your case a, a lot, 
then you need to start bringing in religious language because this is higher language. Right. So we, I, I hear this all over the place. Uh, if somebody uh, makes, uh, I mean, it, it, it's my world is video games. Watching people play video games, and they they no longer say, you know, he made a great kill in a shooter game or a great move. It's godlike. Right. And this is religious language, but this is what we've done. We over time, if you keep on overstating, you have to uh, outdo right. someone, and right. and and all of a sudden. Uh, you know, LeBron, LeBron James isn't, he, listen, this guy's peak human. No, he's, he's God like that. Well, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it, it does not mean that at all, but you're using the words irresponsibly. Um, but the issues that you have there, I mean, spiritually speaking, you, you have self-righteousness and pride, which are always working to make you feel superior right. to people around you. Right. And if you give into those things, unfortunately, sooner or later, you'll believe your own hype. Not to mention the issue that we're really focusing on today, which is, listen, if you religiously believe in politics, that is dangerous. Politics, no matter what your politics are, that is not worthy of religious belief. Religious beliefs transcend this world. Political beliefs, by definition, are about how do we gather and activate people here for causes that are earthly. They They are different spheres, but... There, there's literally action right now to remove the eternal sphere so that we can gather political momentum. And you don't want the political momentum that you're going to get if you make politics religion or religion politics. These are not the same things. It is, it, it, unfortunately, what it can do is, as you were talking about, you know, we're not saying that it's a, an elected official's fault when somebody commits a horrible act. What I do believe we are saying is this enables a politician to use words that then a person on the street hears and does something horrible, and the politician is able to walk away going, well, I just use these kinds of words. I can't be held responsible. And this person can, can then go, well, I was told by this person I consider a leader how dangerous this situation was. Listen, language matters. Sure. If you if you don't mean it, don't say it. Right. Uh, use political language for politics and religious language for religion. Right. Um, it's dangerous to mix the two. Yeah, and I think especially as uh, you're talking about the civic religion, mm-hmm. uh, founding founding myths and prophets and processions and the, the, the scripture of Declaration of Independence, Constitution, Federalist Papers. Yeah. I have a dream speech. Um, and the, there's since that within those documents, and even in Martin Luther King's speech, there's this kind of common common language of we share this vision. We're mm-hmm. aligned in these documents, mm-hmm. right? Um, that there's a unique American identity, right? That we as Americans, and that's everyone who is a that lives in this country that, that calls themselves Americans, who hold that citizenship. That we have this common past, these common figures, and that we are moving in some, some, some direction, right? With, with, you know, with the Manifest Destiny, it was about basically expanding American liberty and freedom to the end, from sea to shining sea, right? Mm-hmm. And then after, during, after World War II, it was about expanding American liberty to the rest of the world, mm-hmm. right? There was a sense of commonality. There isn't an aligned value anymore that Americans share. Right. Um, right. you could go and you can get different people who say, you know, this is, this is the vision of America. And as you'll, we get into later about where 
Trump Republicans are thinking America should, should go and where left, leftists think America should go is totally different. Right. And, and so you're looking at an eschatology, a vision of a future that is in con. I think there's a conflict there. Yeah. Uh, and that's troubling. I don't know there's another time in American history where that has ever been that way. I can't think, other than maybe post 60s, uh, maybe post uh, Watergate, maybe in the 80s, America got its kind of identity. But after the Cold War, after the, after the Soviet Union fell, I don't know. I think that that kind of slow decline or slow decaying of an American vision is. I think it's starting to show itself. Right. I mean, no. I. I don't think you can compare where we are now. Um, the easiest comparison is to uh, pre-Civil War, and that's frightening to say. But um, that that was a a specific issue that was right. boiling over that had been present in the country, uh, racial slavery, and it had to be dealt with. And it finally was uh, dealt with. Now, that issue was tied into economics and tied into uh, so many other things that, that caused it to be put off for so long. And so we're, we're dealing with ideology here. And the, the fire starters are things like social media. The, the, the genuinely new-to-the-scene elements, uh, Internet, everything related to the Internet. What, what has changed in the last 20 years not a lot. I mean, uh, we talked about uh, decadence. We talked about Ross Douthat's book uh, about decadence. But the summary there is just that what has changed in the last 20 years is primarily information economy has sped up. Right. And, and a lot of that is what is probably responsible for the speed up and the change uh, in attitudes that we're talking about yeah. here. But that change is just lighting fires in ideology that is creating this separation and what you genuinely have. I mean, I'm thinking right now as you're talking about, the summary you used to hear about America, say, for the first half of the 1900s was that uh, it was a generally conservative people ruled by a generally liberal elite. Sure. And what we have now, since, the, since we are a, a hundred years from that time, you have about uh, a 50-50 split between a liberal people pulling for their liberal elite and then a conservative people pulling for their hence conservative the elite. Yeah, hence why, sides, yeah. I mean, look, up until today, you are having 50 to 49 split yeah. votes on confirming members of Joe Biden's cabinet. Right. Because, look, this we are at a division, folks. Right, right. And it is a division down to solutions to our current problems, down, down to most everything you can think of. Add to that the primary element that you mentioned a minute ago. We don't have common enemies that are doing anything uh, right now right. strong enough to get our attention as I a mean, people. Yeah, I mean, like, what's so crazy is that even, maybe because it wasn't personal, but like when ISIS was starting to form their caliphate, right, when they were trying to literally take over the world, right? right. That's the whole point of a caliphate. Yeah. There was division amongst politicians <laughs> right. on right. like what should be done. You know, some were right. saying... Obama wasn't doing enough. Some were saying he was doing too much. And it was just like, wow. I mean, like 20 years ago, that would have been a non-issue. It'd be right. like, oh, yeah, get rid of those guys. I right. mean, they're they're going to affect our allies uh, with Israel. They're going to affect oil, uh, you know, uh, all these different things, which it did. Right. But 20 years ago, that would have been a non-star. It would have been a no-issue. People yeah. would have probably kind of understood what, what should be done now. 
I mean, even when we, when when Iran was when we kind of bombed their their general and killed him, right? There was division on that too. Like, oh, he, you know, we weren't, you know, we U.S. shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have attacked a guy who is known as one who has killed Americans and killed American allies. But yet, there's division even right. on that. And right. so that's kind of even in like some of these small issues that didn't even they weren't issues that that affected elections or anything mm-hmm. like that. But they were issues that when they did pop up and they had life for like a week. Right. There was like conflict right. and division and disagreements on, on things like that. So uh, and they, 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 those are fascinating. Even little things like that, there's no alignment at all. Yeah. Like, and there's very little alignment on any issue. But yeah, right. you mentioned uh, cabinet members. It's like, you know, President Biden won the election. It's fair that whoever he nominates should get nominated, you know, uh, fairly easily, unless there's some glaring issues, and there wasn't any majorly glaring issues from what I, from what I read. But but yet there's a sense where no, we don't like that that uh, candidate because it's President Biden, President Biden's candidate, so we're just gonna vote against it. And I, in the past, most presidents, cabinet members, passed with. 80, 90 votes in the Senate? Right. And it, it, what it looks like is going on is that um, for the past, let's say, 10, 15 years, um, we had a little bit of unity after 9-11. Um, and that lasted a little, a, a short while. Basically, you, you could mark it pretty easily um, when, it, when it became clear that there were not weapons of mass destruction in Iraq the support oh, it fell turns. out from under yeah. George W. Yeah. Bush, and and that and was, the war kind of carried on and on and right. on. Right, and, and so that's a, an easy point to think. Ever since then, is a really easy marker for division. And and what I what I have seen happen is both sides ever since uh, then have believed they're on the right side. Yeah, and that. Their solutions are the right solutions, and every once in a while, it's, and do or die, right? And, and every once in a while, <laughs> one side goes, "All right, enough of this. Right. Let's get together. And if we get fired up, we can tell that opposition to to back down." Yeah. And every, with every time that has been tried, it just escalates and escalates and escalates. That is the nature of a religious war. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't back down. And the, the issue, there are genuinely different solutions that the left and the right are going to have for these things. And but, some of these issues are pretty complicated. Right. So obviously there's going to be subtle levels of options and policies and variations of that are, are very nuanced. But yet the public is saying it has to be this or it has to be that. Mm-hmm. It can't be any nuance in the middle. When throughout American history, if you even read in like the beginning of the of the U.S., there's so many compromising of of I believe this, but I'm going to compromise for the sake of the greater goal. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like that's very possible. Right. I feel like if the Revolutionary War happened today and there was a constitutional Congress and each side brought went to the table, how much willing the public would have for the members in that room to compromise for the sake of having an agreement? to be able to actually found a country, right. I think it would be very difficult right now. Yeah, it, it seems that the question we're having a hard time to diagnose, um, politicians are addicted to polling numbers. Mm-hmm. You can get more information about what your people think right now, uh, and you can gather more political momentum by 
making statements that you can't back up right. that are just cheerleading statements. Right. And this is the exact kind of stuff yeah. that we're talking about here, that you can... Uh, Politicians behaving as religious leaders, saying we're in the right, they will back down. If we gather, if we unite, we will overcome. Uh, that kind of stuff is very powerful because the, this, this is the whole point of what we're talking about today. The religious impulse is very strong in people to believe, wow, me and my people are right. Right. And we're good. And those, there's people who oppose us and they're evil. Right. Therefore, we have to fight this righteous battle. Right. And, and it seems to me that a lot of the story of what we're dealing with politically right now and for the last, let's just summarize, say 10 years since social media has really come on in, in many ways, is so far politics seems very inept at knowing what to do with all of the things that uh, 24-hour news cycle plus social media plus actors uh, plus congressmen uh, who are willing to say anything, which then grabs a whole bunch of followers, that, that, is, that is probably uh, the greatest cause, which, which is drives, I mean, congressmen who will not legislate. Yeah. Uh, who who yeah. are afraid. Yeah, and we're not even talking about, like, of course it did happen on January the 6th, but we're not even talking about, like, large, like, quantitative movements of people like standing out your office door screaming that you do one thing over and over. It's like a group of people on 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 uh, Twitter that you can't even quantify. Right. It's just loud enough right. that it causes politicians to do something or do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe it'd be, it'd be interesting at, at, in a future podcast episode to talk about how this particular issue has spilled into like Christian Christian subculture. Sure, yeah. Because I find it similarly like this similar viewpoint amongst different people's theology on like this is the way, it's the only way, and if you disagree with me, you're right. unbiblical. Right. Right. <laughs> or you're right. I've heard those terminologies thrown out right. at people that we would agree with and hold up to high esteem. But yeah, there's a group of people like through on social media screaming out you're unbiblical, you're heretical mm-hmm. because you don't hold a similar theological view as I do. I'm like, wow, this, this what we're seeing in the American political scene is pouring over into the Christian scene and right. causing division and also creating, like, all right, where are we aligned? Right. Don't, we, don't we worship the same Lord and Savior? Are we all right. saved by the same grace? Aren't we called to the same mission? Right. I'm struggling to find if some people actually can agree with that, sure. and that's unfortunate. So maybe there's right. a yeah. So an certainly that would be another podcast. We that would be talk great. About this. The the thing that's difficult to fuse. So these these issues applied to uh, political in, interaction, uh, the the issues of social media and news cycle and all of this. Uh, the background that is is frightening is that the American experiment is genuinely an experiment. It is a tenuous. Uh, unpredictable thing. We are not Sweden. Right. We, we are not these countries that that settled in. Uh, most European countries settled in to this sort of, well, we have a state religion. Nobody really follows it. So we have these generalized sort of um, uh, identities that we frankly, we don't make really quick moves anyway. A lot of these countries aren't quite as individualistic as America has has been a group of people from the beginning who said, look, you leave everything 
in the in whatever country you came from to come here to make something better for yourself. Right. Well, that's boldness right. out of expectation for something better. Right. Um, but meanwhile, these ideas that we have a creed, and we do. I mean, he talks about uh, in this article that Abraham Kuyper uh, okay. looked at and, and described that we are a nation. Uh, he kind of used the... Um, the idea that we're a nation with the soul of a church, uh, yeah. similar to, uh, who yeah. am I thinking of? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Democracy of, of, of America. Um, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Tocqueville. The Tocqueville, yeah, good. Um, and, and it's similar ideas, and he basically says, listen, this is, it requires a commitment to the idea of, I mean, what separation of church and state, which we've always heard of, but that religious liberty matters People should be free uh, to live out what they believe. Um, these are anything that that is called a creed, and America has a creed in that way. Um, that that is it requires a commitment on its people. Right. And and I think we've mentioned this before that it, it, it's frightening to think if you polled the American people, do you believe in the creed that people ought to be able to act on their religious belief and not be hindered. You know, I mean, there's a call today for new hate crime legislation. And look, I am against racism in all its forms. Um, However, I know there are people in this country who would love to say, you cannot say homosexuality is a sin. Right. That there will be a day where it will be said, well, that's a hate crime. You are, you're condemning a people. No, I don't, I'm not condemning a people, but the Bible calls certain things sin. Right. Uh, believe me, there are things that I crucify in myself every day. Right. The the tendencies of my own heart, the wicked tendencies. This is what the religion is about. Right. Saying these things are sin and those things are life. And here's the issue. We all have to say certain things are sin and certain things are life. That is a religious impulse that we all live with. And all, all people do it. You can't get away from that. And, and that's the central point of today. Okay, if you do that, though, you have to make the next step, which is I want to gather like-minded people mm-hmm. to operate, mm-hmm. to, to maximize things that are holy and good, and then destroy right. and remove things right. that are sinful and evil. Right. It's very similar to what you see like in the Old Testament, like where you see some of these like, righteous kings purging the statues and purging right. the priests who right. are... Or, or legitimately, yes, they were wicked and idolaters. But if you believe that your that your your beliefs are right and good and holy, and every and other beliefs that are contrary to yours are anathema, well, then you burn them. Right. You cut them down. Right. You put them on a stake and and call them what they are, and right. and you purge them from your society because you think they're dangerous. Right. Um, that's what the Catholics were doing to the Protestants. They were purging them because right. they saw them as dangerous to their culture right. and their society and what they um, believed as a as a group of people. Um, and I I, I I like Abraham Kuyper and, and I think you know if you're gonna believe as he says like to survive long you have to have something that's an ultimate loyalty. Right. And I think what you're seeing is ultimate loyalty. Right. And uh, you know I'm willing to um, make um, make my 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 voice known and. And identify myself with uh, this creed, and and if you just if you are if you if you are uh, if my creed 
designate you as as a as an enemy of of my people and my belief, well then I'm gonna scream out and say you're evil and you're a sinner and you need to be justice needs to take care of you. And that's like I mean, as as someone yes you said before, like we would denounce racism in every way, but to to say that, you know, homosexuality is a sin, which is biblical, it's in the Bible. You know, to claim that as a hate crime is to claim that the Bible is a source of hate. Right. And it's a, it's a piece of literature uh, that should be dismissed and burned because it's dangerous. Right. And uh, it's a, it, it impacts and affects my group of people and my beliefs in a negative way. And so I would prefer it to be gone so right. I don't ever have to hear it again or never see it again. And so you can't have a, a democracy. You can't have America with independence and liberty and freedom, if that's where these things are going. Right. I mean, you then become, um, you either become more like China, which is like, well, restricting and eliminating what is not, what we believe is American, it's best for everyone. Yeah. Well, that's, you cease to be America. You cease to be a country founded by uh, liberty and, and freedom and giving people independent choice. Now you're like making decisions for people and, and saying we're going to protect the majority of people by outlawing mm-hmm. certain things. Or you become like some of these countries mentioned in Europe where it's like you've, you've pretty much pressed down any type of independent thought or, or, and your culture is basically um, so secularized uh, that it almost doesn't even – it can't even identify it anymore. Like I don't even know what French culture is. I couldn't even tell you what it is. Right. It's so um, it's so unidentified because it's it pretty much everything has been just kind of wiped away. Um, and that's uh, I mean America as a nation itself would be pretty much um, it would it completely decayed from what it first started as. So we've dug down pretty far into this and I I have a sense now that I do want to offer a little bit of hope and optimism in that, um, where do we go from here? I I look at this and I go, the reason that the consequences seem to be so strong is because this is often viewed as a religious war and it should not be right. Uh, we're going to have to find ways to be peaceful with one another. The, the, right. the old view of tolerance, that tolerance as respect, that you could hold a different view than I do, but I'll still be able to have a conversation with you. And we can end. You can literally end a conversation going, we don't agree at all, but I'll see you later. You know, right. rather than right. just right. hatred being the goal. Because in, in a lot of ways, um, it seems to me where we might be uh, is a turn from individualism back mm-hmm. towards community learning to live in community and be satisfied that I have a community. Right. That I that everybody's not going to think I'm right about everything. And everybody's not going to think me and the people that agree with me are right about everything. Um, it seems that the first outcome of all the connections that we all have between each other, because you can't just say it's only social media. I mean, the fact that we can send text messages to each other so that you are subject to the whhims of another person, exactly. a lot of other people at all exactly. the time. Yeah. Haven't you sent a text message plenty of times and go like, hey, well, I shouldn't have sent that. Yeah. But we just, we have these little just, quick forms of communication. Yeah. We think of them as just goods right. when that's not true at all. Right. It is not true at all right. that you can just, anything that might flow through anybody's mind that you know has to come to you. Um, that's not, 
It's like a constant tapping on the shoulder. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, so you have that. And, and I really hope that what we are seeing is a new phase towards community again, rather than individualism and isolation, which is certainly how I would describe a lot of what you saw um, towards the end of the 1900s and the beginnings of the 2000s. But so far, what you see is this sort of winner-take-all sort of approach that what we're in is a battle to the finish over, quote, the soul of America, when it's like, look, the soul of America from the beginning was... There's different people who are going to be here, right? and they're going to have to learn to coexist. And the expectation has never in the past been they will all approve of and like each other and think that everything the others are doing is good and great. No, that has never been. We, we have had, I mean, the very reason that rather than in a state religion, we have freedom of religion and separation of church and state is to go, look, we know there are different people who will sort themselves differently. And what the American promise is, is communities, not an entire homogenous nation that will support everyone equally. Look, communities are supposed to support each other. The individuals find their homes in those communities. And it is, um, to me, because of the consequences having been the way they have, we are where we are. The, the, the separation... Uh, and the the anger is due to the assumptions of people getting on uh, all these social media platforms and and dealing with people expecting nobody would ever disagree with me or my people. Right. Listen, wisdom is large and complicated, and people have been trying to sort through it for thousands of years as to what the best solutions are. And the, and and look, where I think we are right now is if you read philosophy from the Greek period. You know, 500 BC, you're going to find people arguing about what the greatest good is for, the, for people. We don't even have that conversation right now. We assume the greatest good, and then we, we politically operate. Right. Based I just don't think you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you mentioned that I think America is probably more like pre-Civil War. Uh, and I think even at that, you know, at that point, there was a very, like, regionalism uh, was kind of, or state state was king, right? So if you're from a slave state, that that understanding of, you know, we are protecting our way of life and our heritage and our and our land and the way that we do things in the South and this yeah. is who we are. And then you had the Northerns who, like, who are anti-slavery, right? And then this is who we are. We think that it's an abomination, that type of thing. Well, even today, I mean, like, I identify more with like who I am, where I come from, yeah. regionalism. You come from Illinois, you probably identify more with your Southern Illinois type of mm-hmm. upbringing than you do as an American. Oh yeah, sure. And, and I think I think more Americans actually if they were to, if they were thinking through this, they identify more with their region or state sure. than they actually do as a whole country. Yes. The reason why there's so much division is because there's coastal mm-hmm. America, and there's Center America, right? Yeah. There's Flyover America, there's Southern America. Sure. It hits when during the pandemic, people, certain people in the northern parts of the country, like New York, New Jersey, thought Florida was an abomination. But the people who were from Florida in the South thought it was great that Florida was standing by their man, by their governor, and saying, no, we're not going to do what the people are doing up north, and we're going to open up our state. And it's like, even that right there shows you, like, how the state, uh, what decisions were made, and how the people responded 
to their governor and to their their states to their state's decision on 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 COVID was so powerful to show you how state focused and regionally focused we are, yeah. and that America. That's why people are like, well, why can America? Come up with an understanding of how they're gonna how they're gonna how they're gonna combat COVID. It's because you've got fifty different states, or actually several different regions, thinking this is why it's the best, and we think this is better. We think this is better, right. and they're like, "Well, you're wrong." Well, we're right, and it's right. like, "Well, you're a different country, and we're a different country, so we're gonna do whatever we want." Right. And I think that is probably so much truer now than it it's ever been. And I think we have kind of gone to a pre civil war type of era. And I don't know what that's going to lead to long term. Um, and if, as you you know mentioned here, if there's no common enemy, then the most common enemy right now is each other, right. the other side, the other group, the other region. Um, that's why you hear people from the South say, oh, I just wish California would just, fall, would just break off from the whole country, just flood its way into the Pacific Ocean, and then right. we would be done with them forever. It's like... That's, you're talking about your own people, right. your own nation. You thought right. it would be better if they just floated away. Right. I mean, that's kind of absurd. But that's, I doubt you hear people in Germany say that about certain sections right. of their, of their <laughs> own country. I don't know. It just seems very, uh, very, very interesting. And, uh, um, and to, to identify these political debates as metaphysical questions, I don't even know how you, how you even like have discussions about simple matters like about taxes or right. health or, or um, healthcare, or should should the government pay off student loans or not? Uh, should we be more involved in China or not? If we can't have just if the if politicians and the government can't simply operate on those particular issues and able to find compromise and common ground to make good decisions, and I think Americans should go. I disagree with the with the viewpoint, but if the outcome is. Uh, the the U.S. government is deciding, hey, we're going to have this certain health care system, and this is what we're going to do. Your taxes are going to go up, but for the sake of this group of people, this is what we're going to do. That's not evil. It's right. not wicked. It's not anti-Bible. It's, it is the decision that the representatives have made, and we should stand by the decision and, and, and put our swords down and say, this is not, this is not do or die. Yep. And I've, if there's not if there's not willing to navigate that and go, this isn't do or die. The people making these certain decisions aren't evil. They're not doing this to ruin America. Right. They're just they're they're doing this based off their reasoning and their understanding and the things that they're reading and seeing. And you know what? I can live with that. Mm-hmm. If, if people can't do that, it's going to be a constant war, yeah. and it's going to lead to something far more troubling. Right. You know, it, the concern here is that uh, you cannot take notions that are religious notions like original sin, atonement, ritual, uh, excommunication, and repurpose them and use them in an everyday uh, sense, in a secular sense. Uh, and and that that is the pagan impulse is, is is that we all we all do have religious impulses and if if what you believe you have found inside of your heart is actually the good the metaphysical and and then your enemies represent the evil you will then treat them as the devil right. and you will see things in terms of original sin uh, okay then how do we attain atonement and and i mean this 
there, there is a moral impulse toward disgust. Everyone has had the experience of having putting something in your mouth and wanting to just spit it out and just spitting over and over to get it out. Well, you have a moral impulse for that too, and that is what ultimate evil. Yeah. Your only impulse is to get it out of my sight. Right. There's not a better description of that. Uh, that's what we're seeing on college campuses the last few years. Like, no, not, this person can't speak on my campus because this is my home space. Right. We have to, and we've talked about yeah. this. But this this happens that your religious impulse is cancer. You have to rid ourselves right. of it. Yeah. And if we are, if all of us, all people are not careful, you will not handle your religious impulses correctly. And, and here's the thing. Why is Christianity superior? I want to I put it straight out. Listen, it is superior to believe that God is good, not people. That right. people are not the source of good. Right. If God is good, we need to look outside of ourselves. It is also, here's the thing about Christianity, it is also superior. I mean, the Bible says that our enemies are not flesh and blood, right. but principalities and powers, that our enemies are demons and Satan himself, so that I don't have to demonize any human being. That's huge. I think until recently, it, we were happily able to assume that other people were humans who might have, you know, ideas that we disagree with, might even strongly disagree with, but not to demonize them. Right. That is not looking like that's going to be the case carrying forward. But Christianity has has the resources to deal with religious issues. Yeah. Your own heart outside of Christianity doesn't. What you will do is you will join uh, with people you perceive as good. Pride grows in that group. And look, I'm not saying it can't grow in a church. There are Pharisees, and we always are on guard against them. But the doctrines are there that tell you, listen, God is the author of the good. We seek him. Right. Any good that happens, any, any Orthodox Christian will tell you, any good that happens is not because of our efforts. It's because of God. Right. And while I do believe that evil can come out of the human heart, listen, I, I remember all the time that our enemies are not flesh and blood. No one that I, I feel opposes me is the enemy. Right. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. Right. This, is, this is light years different than believing some human or some set of humans out there is the, the source of evil. Yeah. It's light years. I mean, if, if some... This is what's so dangerous, honestly, about this. I mean, he uses the example, like you said, of Germany, who has experience right. with this. If you make politics religion, you can sort out certain groups of people and then say, listen, guys, I know this is going to be hard. As Hitler... People forget this. This is what Hitler and Himmler said. Listen, I know it doesn't sound great. Right. And only those of us who are in leadership can handle the burden right. to rid ourselves right. of these people that are the problem. But just trust us. Right. Just let us let us handle this situation. We cannot <laughs> buy into this sort of thing. Uh, th- there are not people on this earth who are the ultimate problem. That is that is a Christian belief. I hope. I hope that people can get on board with whether yeah. you're a Christian or not. Otherwise, it's dangerous circumstances. Yeah. I mean, there there is a lot of dehumanizing that's going yes. on. That's the scariest because you know you know there are there are many many uh, instances. In, circumstances and in particular events in history where people dehumanize people that's right. you can do whatever you want to them that's right um, and you may you may be going well I'll, I would never I would never put someone in a concentration camp it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to look that way right. it can look in a lot of different ways right um, that may be what you say is extreme, but d- the simple dehumanizing simple example is what's happened recently when Russ Limbaugh died. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a dehumanizing to him. It's like, well, thank God that guy's finally dead. Yeah. It's like, 
Yeah, he may have had opinions that you disagreed with, but he never harmed you. He never yeah. slapped you in the face. He never threatened your life. He didn't cause mass genocide. Right. He had an opinion, and he made a lot of money off his opinion, and some people really liked him, and some people really hated him. Right. But by dehumanizing him, or even what but what Trump voters did with Mike Pence, they dehumanized him. They yeah. said, you're no good to us. You'd be better off hung from a, from a right. gallow. That was right. dehumanizing. Right. Like. It's so powerful to go. That person doesn't doesn't need to, to doesn't need to live anymore. He needs to be eliminated, right. like because he we would be better off without him. Like, right? right. That's it, really it, dangerous, and that is kind of the fever. That's the right. impulse. Um, that's 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 going on, and uh, you can see when you have something that you're so passionate about, but you filled a god shaped hole with that passion. Sure. Uh, you almost act as if you're God, and you can just make decision that you know this person deserves to live, and this person deserves to die, and this person deserves to be canceled, and this person doesn't deserve to be canceled. This person uh, deserves to be listened to. This person deserves to be shut up. Sure. And so you're acting like God, and that's not healthy. It's not you weren't meant to be God. Uh, you're meant to be God's cre- a creature who worshipped Him, and He sent His Son in the world to save you of that impulse. Yep. That's why Christ came to the world, because the Jews hated the Romans, and the Romans hated most of everybody else that wasn't Roman. They just wanted to conquer them. The biggest problem with the world is, is that they uh, they needed to be rescued yeah. because they were meant to worship God, not be God. Hmm. And too many of the people in the first century and the 21st century are trying to be God and not serve or worship God. Yep. So I think it's a really important article. Thanks for uh, sending it to me. And this is from The Atlantic. If you want to go find this article and read it for yourself, America Without God. So, is that it? We're done. That's it. That's all, all I've got. The Empires of the Future. We won't be here next week because I'll be out of town. All right. But we'll, we'll be back. see you in the future. We'll see you in the two-week future. <laughs> see you later. When I was a boy.